0: Hello and welcome to another episode of the Simple Faith Podcast. My name is Dave Betts and I'm here with my wife Shirea as we tackle all the things that make our faith what it is. We call it authentic Christianity for normal people. In other words, we're trying to strip our faith of all those unnecessarily churchy or intellectual words. And last week we jumped into the topic of suffering, which is very brave. Uh, I'm a bit scared. It's a it's a hard topic to talk about because we get that there is so much emotion and tension tied up into these questions. So, Terea, last week we talked about the problem itself, right?
1: Yeah, yeah. we we talked about how we recognize that there is suffering in this world. There is evil. um there is pain. And we just wanted to acknowledge that really. Um, and this week, I guess we're going to talk about uh, a bit more about how God fits into that and kind of answering, the problem of suffering.
0: Yeah. So if you haven't heard last week's episode, then do listen to it. It's a bit of a primer for what we're going to talk about today. Um, But with that in mind, let's just do our best to answer these questions, answer the problem of evil and suffering the best that we can. So we're not going to promise that it's the perfect response, but we will promise that we've studied it a lot to try and give you our best answer to these questions. So The classic response to the problem of evil and the problem of suffering is to look at the the logical issue and also the emotional issue. So the logical issue asks, uh, as we talked about last week, can God be all powerful and all loving if he allows evil and suffering to exist? So as we talked about last week, it's that Epicurus argument from the third and fourth century that says, well, if, if God is all powerful and evil exists, then Surely he's not all loving because if God loved us, then he would stop suffering. But if he was all loving and evil existed, then surely he's not all powerful because he could stop it, but chooses not to. So that's the logical uh, uh, issue. The emotional issue is, is where, well, if God is real and allows suffering, you might say, well, I don't, I don't want to know that God. You know, and that's what many people say. I don't want to know that God. Stephen Fry, I don't know if you ever came across this video, Sheree, I might, maybe we watched it together. Stephen Fry, uh, who's this famous British guy uh, for all sorts of things, really. He says, "What? Well, how dare you? That's what he would say to God. He says, how can you be so capricious? I remember that because I've never heard of that word until he said it. How can you be like ca- capricious and malevolent to allow all this suffering to exist? So Steve, for, for Stephen Fry, that was a big deal. In fact, you should search for Stephen Fry, and then God. <laughs> I think it would show you that video. Uh, we'll link it to our show notes at simplefaithpodcast.com if you want to listen to that. Um, hopefully, we will, if I remember. Uh, but that's a fair question. If, if God, you, you're the kind of God that allows this stuff to exist, are you really loving? You know, I, I don't know if I want to know you. And because uh, the Bible says that you're loving, but what I see there doesn't feel like love. So we want to answer those two questions the logical one, how can God exist and be all powerful and all loving in a world with evil? And then the emotional one, which is how can God exist and be all loving in a world with evil? So essentially, it's kind of the same answer to both questions, but in slightly different ways, right? So let's look at those maybe after the break.
1: So we're going to look at that first question of how can an all-loving and all-powerful God exist in a world where there is suffering? So Dave, do you want to address that a little bit?
0: Yes, I'll do my best. My answer would be, well, what if there is a fourth premise? So William Lane Craig talks about this as well. He says, well, what if yes, God is all-loving. We recognize that. God is all-powerful. The Bible tells us that. Evil does exist. But the fourth premise says, well, what if God has morally justifiable reasons to allow the evil in the world? That, that, if, if that is a premise, and we accept that as a premise, so we say, yeah, God is all loving, God is all powerful, there is evil, but God has morally justifiable reasons to allow evil in the world. Suddenly, well, it's not a question of whether God exists or not. Um, and what we have to do, if that were true, then of course God could absolutely exist in this world. And it's an assumption that we're making, right? We're making an assumption based on who God declares himself to be in the Bible. And, you know, assumptions aren't great logically um, in terms of a logical discussion, but it's it's equally an assumption to say, well, God doesn't have morally justifiable reasons to allow evil in the world. You know, we're talking about a supreme uh, author of all creation. So uh, the atheist would say, well, God can't exist and be all-powerful and all-loving. Well, we're saying, well, actually why not? Why can't he exist? If God is uh, so far beyond our comprehension and understanding, if he is uh, all knowledge and all loving, and he is uh, all the omnis, all the incommunicable attributes that we've uh, kind of alluded to before, all the things that we can't really fully understand, well, of course, he could have morally justifiable reasons to allow evil in the world. So uh, I think if that was the case, God could exist. Uh, So I think Now what we could talk about is, uh, you know, why we think there are justifiable reasons based on what the Bible teaches us. Um, And then this will kind of get us to an answer about suffering. So firstly, I wanted us to look at at moral evil. So human evil. We talked about that in the last episode as human evil or or moral evil being, you know, kind of rape, murder, the things humans do, deception, coercion, um, all those kinds of things that, that humans do that causes suffering to other people. Well. The first answer to that is God gives us free will, right? Because God loves us, he gives us free will. In order for love to exist, there has to be free will. Like we, we can't love people without choice. So if, if Sherea forced me to love her as her husband, that wouldn't be love. It would be forced. Now, in the same way that God, he wants us to turn our affections towards him. He loves us and he wants us to love him back, but he created us with free will. This world would be perfect and easy and simple if God never gave us free will, right? Because if we were born at, with, with perfectly aligned to God's will, I should say, uh, then we would never choose to do things that hurt people. We would choose to go the way that God has called us to. Adam and Eve would never have sinned in the first place. There would have never been any of these challenges, but it wouldn't have been a real relationship with God. We wouldn't know real love. Um, Amy Orr Ewing, who wrote this amazing book called Where Is God in All the Suffering, which again, we'll link in the show notes. And I would highly recommend reading for like the next step for further reading on, on this topic. She says this, real love is simply not possible without freedom of choice. Compelled love is never love. The possibility of love entails the possibility of pain. Um, She also says that later on, since God made humans to have the capacity to love, they also had to have the opportunity to choose. For love to exist, freedom must exist. So one of the answers, one of the justifiable reasons that God can allow suffering in the world is because he's given us a choice, right? He's given us free will. And often we choose to go our own way because of our selfish desires, our innately selfish desires. We often decide we're gonna push someone else down in order that we can elevate ourselves um you know the the examples of that abound, so I don't know if we need to dig too deeply into that. Is there anything you would say about that point, Sharea?
1: I don't think so. I think that's just a good a good point is to yeah, I think a lot of the times we blame god for for the problems in our lives and and forget that um, yeah, that God has given us the gift of free will, and with that yeah. Comes, you know, a world where everything isn't always perfect, and we don't make perfect choices, um, and that can cause pain, and that can cause suffering.
0: Yeah, so I I think you're absolutely right. But I think that's the first reason is that God gives us free will. That's a morally justifiable reason that God will allow suffering in the world. Secondly, God sometimes uses suffering for our own good. Um, You know, I know that in my life, sometimes I've suffered some brutal things. let, Let me tell you a story. When I first got saved, I was really excited because. I'd been kind of a jerk to people. Um, There was one girl in particular that I treated really, really badly. And I was like, you know what? Now I'm a Christian. I actually had this picture in my head of kind of sweeping all that stuff under the carpet. And then I could move on and be good from now on. And I think God had a way of saying, "Uh, no, I'm not gonna let that happen. Series of events happened. And I basically looked, awful because this girl found out some of the stuff I said about her some of the stuff I'd done and she was devastated and I was devastated because I knew that I'd caused such pain and so for me of course my suffering didn't match hers but I went through this period of suffering where I just felt so guilty for what I'd done and yet I think God used that I think God said no I'm not going to allow you to just sweep that under the carpet and forget about it because I need you to go through this to to learn from this and to see what it, it looks like. Now that's a very small uh, version of suffering. That's completely self-inflicted. But there's been other times where I've been treated really poorly by people or I've experienced, uh, you know, there's been a time in our life where we had, uh, in our newly married life, we had just no money. And we were like, we couldn't afford to buy apples, for example. We were like, nope, we're going to have to buy bananas instead bananas, of apples because yeah. <laughs> we just have, we can't afford to buy apples and we need, some fruit, at least. Bananas and
1: it, are the cheapest fruit.
0: Yeah. We, we, how, how would you know that? Case, when you have, <laughs> but we just had no money. And during that period of suffering, we learned so much about ourselves as a, as a couple. Um, but I also learned a lot about God and about how to depend on him during those times. Um, I, I think Joseph is an example in the Bible of someone who suffered and then God used it for, for good. Um, I'm going to read uh, a quote here from... Tim Keller, in his book, The Reason for God, again, it'll be quoted in, uh, it'll be uh, linked to in the show notes here. It says this, Joseph was an arrogant young man who was hated by his brothers. In their anger at him, they imprisoned him in a pit and sold him into a life of slavery and misery in Egypt. Doubtless, Joseph prayed to God to help him escape, but no help was forthcoming and into slavery he went. Though he experienced years of bondage and misery, Joseph's character was refined. And strengthened by his trials, eventually he rose up to become a prime minister of Egypt, who saved thousands of lives and even his own family from starvation. If God had not allowed Joseph's years of suffering, he never would have been such a powerful agent for social justice and spiritual healing. In fact, uh, if I remember rightly, there's a passage at the end of Genesis where it says, "What you intended for evil, God used for good." Um, There's an example there of, you know, where human evil, moral evil, where he, you know, his his family threw him into slavery, which is ridiculous. God used it for, for good things. So uh, God sometimes uses suffering for our good.
1: Yeah. And I think, I mean, I don't know if you have noticed this, Dave, I'm sure you have, but as new parents, I think I understand this in like a whole new light kind of uh, with, with JJ. And Um, We were talking about this with some other parents, uh, friends of ours, and, you know, they were talking about how hard it was when when their son went through hard things or when other people or other kids were mean to him or he, you know, experienced difficult situations as a young kid and as a parent, what do you do? Do you, you know, sweep in and and save them from that every time? Is that the most loving thing to do? And I mean, for myself, this is a very small example and I wouldn't, you know, compare it to, to the suffering that many people experience, but JJ hates, Tummy time. He hates it. Like every time we put him on his stomach. I hate he, tummy time too. I hate it too. <laughs> um, he cries. He cries and he struggles. And you can tell that it's uncomfortable. And uh, he just wants to be picked up and doesn't want to be on his tummy. But for us as parents, the loving thing to do for JJ is not necessarily to pick him up right away. He's not going to you know, grow strength in his, his back. He's not going to um, build those muscles that are essential for him to... You know, crawl and to walk and to to um, thrive in life, and so that is a very small example. I know it doesn't compare to a lot of the suffering that people experience, but I think that there is an argument to be made that there can be a loving God who allows us to suffer, and that there there is growth and um, yeah, there's there's good things that can come out of that, and and that's really hard for people when they you know when you're in that. Season of suffering, but I think when you come out of it and you you see how God worked, you can you can um, appreciate, I guess, what suffering can produce in your life.
0: Yeah, I I think that's so right. I think there's a really good example, especially with JJ. Uh, I think one of the things that I would just pick up on that I've said and that you said is that we 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 tend to compare our suffering with other people, and I think something we should say right right now is that suffering is suffering you know it might not be as tough as what other people are going through that's fine but that doesn't mean that you're not feeling it or you're not experiencing it and we need to be careful there uh, that we don't undermine our experiences of suffering just because other people have got it worse right um, we, we are aware that of and hopefully we can empathize with people who are in uh, situations that are harder than what we're going through. But that doesn't mean that what you're experiencing doesn't matter. So mm. I just yeah. want to say that really quickly. Yeah, that's um, and I point. think I would mention as well, in, in 1 Peter 1, um, we, talk, we mentioned a passage in the last episode, I think. But uh, listen to this in verse 6. It says, In all this you greatly rejoice, uh, though now for a little while you may have had to suffer uh, grief in all kinds of trials. Uh, in verse 7, he says this, These have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith of greater worth than gold, which perishes even though refined by fire, may result in praise, glory, and honor when Jesus Christ is revealed. So he's saying uh, these trials have come so that the proven genuineness of your faith, which is worth more than gold, which perishes even though, uh, even though it's been refined, refined by fire. So these trials, they're kind of like gold. Uh, they're more worth than gold. But what happens with that gold is that when you, you refine gold by fire, you kind of, you get something super, 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 super hot, like dangerously crazy hot, especially in those days uh, when you didn't have all the safety equipment and stuff. And then you'd stir it and all the dross would come to the top and then you'd kind of scrape it off. And so what would happen when you refined gold by fire is that you... Would get rid of all the impurities, and it, what you'd get is something that was more pure as a result of the trials by fire, if you like. And and our our faith is similar. You know, as we get as we go through these trials, and we're stirred in this immense heat, or the storms and the trials of this life comes. Often, what happens, and I want to emphasize that as well. Often, not all the time. We're not saying always. Uh, often, what happens is that the impurities in our lives, the the challenges, the the sin sometimes in our lives gets kind of brought to the surface and then God kind of scrapes it away like the dross in, in the gold. And, and that's a really good thing. So it leads us to ask the question, is eliminating pain always the loving thing to do? I would argue not always. Uh, sometimes it, it sucks. If, we, if I'm being honest, it sucks that we have to go through some of this stuff. But God gives us free will, which means that when we have free will, we sometimes go our, our own way. And sometimes God uses this suffering for our good in his sovereignty, in his uh, holiness. And those are really important. Um, I have another, uh, another point as well. If God removed all of the sin from the world, here's an important point. You would not exist. And I would not exist. And Sherea, you would not exist because we all have sin in our lives. Yes, we've been declared free from sin when we choose to follow Jesus. That's a really good thing. But let's be honest, we all have tendencies to to sin because we have not been fully sanctified yet. If you're unfamiliar with that word, we've done an episode on sanctification. So you can check that out in season one of this podcast, but we are being made holy by God and we won't be perfectly holy until uh, Jesus returns. And So we have sin in us. So if God removed all sin from the world and therefore all suffering, he would have to remove all of humanity, including us. Now, I'm not sure you want that. I certainly don't want that. And if you're listening at home, you probably don't want that either. Um, But I would recommend again, uh, just another resource on this, a guy called Mike Winger. He has a great talk on this. Um, And so I want to give credit where it's due. A lot of these answers have come from him and William Lane Craig and people like that, Amy or, or Ewing in her book. Um, so these are, these are important resources there. Uh, again, I really would recommend you digging in much further to once we finish this episode. And I have one more proof. Okay, so here are the, the, the morally justifiable reasons for moral evil in the world. We said that God gives us free will. Sometimes God uses suffering for our good. And if God removed all the sin, well, we wouldn't exist. And finally, I want to suggest to you at home that uh, suffering is proof that God exists. And it sounds kind of counterintuitive when you hear that. But if there was no God, there would be no suffering because we don't look at like an animal fighting to the death and think, oh, that, that shouldn't happen. We, that's just that's just part of life, right? When we look at uh, uh, a shark that has its way with another shark, I think Mike Winger uses that example. We are not looking at, we're not looking at that and going, oh, that shark raped the shark. It's just that's the natural cycle of life. Whereas in humanity, rightly, rightfully so, that is abhorrent. Now, if you remember a few uh, episodes ago, we talked about the image of God. We talked about how we were made in the image of God, and that's really important. Well, that's precisely why suffering is a challenge to us. It's a challenge because we are made in the image of God, and we know that we're made for something different. We're not just uh, these like mindless beings that just go about our day trying to eat And you know, drink and be merry. We want to. We there's more to life. There's meaning to life. And so, when someone comes along and disrupts that sanctity, that special, um, made in the image of Godness, then we recognise that there's there's a problem. Something's not right. And so, I want to propose that that is proof that God exists. Because if God doesn't exist, we are just a collection of cells and atoms and stuff, and there is no suffering. How can you suffer? It's just the circle of life. It's evolution. It's natural selection, right?
1: Yeah. I think something that you said, like when you see suffering, there, there's kind of this natural sense of needing justice. Like you see it with, with you know, people who are, you know, people who are raped or murdered or, you know, there's been so many things that have happened in this last year where people have cried out for justice. Um, and yeah, I think you're right. Like you have to kind of think about where does that sense of kind of righteous anger come from? Why do we have that in our like in us when we see people suffering um that we don't have w- when we look at I don't know, the animal kingdom, I guess. Yeah. That's yeah. a good point, I think.
0: I think it's really important. And um I think the image of God is something that is so important, which is why you know we've talked about so far when leaders fall, that was the first episode of season 1, and we've talked about but now we're talking about suffering and soon we'll talk about grief. It's, there's something so important about understanding that we are humans made in the image of God. That uh, helps us understand why sometimes these responses are just so wrong or, or why we feel something in our gut when we see injustice or um, we see things that, that seem to be evil. Um, so I just think, yeah, those are the, the arguments for moral evil. Why God would maybe justify not stepping in during moral evil. He gives us free will. Uh, he sometimes uses it, uses it for our good. Uh, if we've removed all the sin, we just wouldn't exist. And I think it is proof that God exists. So maybe after the break, we'll have a quick look at natural evil. Okay so we've talked about moral evil which is uh you know human evil things like uh, rape and murder and and that kind of stuff the brutal human reality that there is evil in the world and and a morally justifiable reason that god maybe wouldn't step in a few of those reasons actually but what about natural evil why wouldn't god step in uh during tsunamis famines earthquakes why wouldn't he stop those things have you ever given that any thought
1: Yeah not not as much thought i think as for me personally, I often, when I think of evil or suffering, I, I do think a lot more about, you know, human um, sin that causes it um, or actions that cause suffering. But you're right; there's so much sort of natural causes that that lead to suffering as well, and um, they have huge impacts on this world. Like you think of, you know, all the the tsunamis and floods and uh, fires and things that have happened, and and it, yeah, it really it really causes uh, intense suffering for a lot of people.
0: Yeah, I have a few answers, I think, to why I think God might not uh, step in during natural disasters. So the first one I would say is that God sometimes, again, emphasis on sometimes, uses natural disasters as punishments. So uh, I don't think that happens so much nowadays, but if you think about the flood, uh, God brought a flood upon the whole earth. Why? as a punishment for the sin that was in the world, right? Uh, if you look at the Exodus plagues, they would be counted as natural disasters. or uh, Those were things that were happening to punish the uh, Egyptian pharaoh and his people who were oppressing the Israelites. So sometimes God uses them as punishment. Now, I, I think the reality is that probably he doesn't now. After, after the flood, uh, Noah and God uh, make a covenant, and God says to Noah, I will never again Uh, Bring a flood upon the earth in in the same way as a punishment. So that's important to recognise. Secondly, I would say that nature was cursed with the fall. So in Genesis three, we see that the ground was cursed, Um, and in fact, a really key passage in understanding this is is Romans eight. So Romans eight nineteen says, "For the creation eagerly waits with anticipation for God's sons to be revealed. For the creation was subjected to futility. In other words, it's kind of it's, it's it's sensing this, this challenge. It's being subjected to the curse of the earth, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in the hope that the creation itself will also be set free from the bondage to decay into the glorious freedom of God's children. So at the moment, the, the world, our creation that's been cursed way back in Genesis 3, when Adam and Eve sinned for the first time, uh, is, the world is in bondage to decay uh, and it says in verse 22: For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together with labor pains until now. Not only that, but we ourselves, who have the spirit as the first fruits, we also groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. In other, in other words, that's like quite a, a complex passage to understand. If you're trying to, if you're listening to it now, maybe in the car or on your walk to school or something like that, you might think, "Hang on, that was a lot." What it's saying is, there's there's a challenge in this world the world is subjected to bondage and decay the world is cursed but just like humans just like uh believers the the world is waiting for for Jesus to return and for for things to be made right once again as we see in uh, in revelation where the world is uh, made back uh back to what it was i guess yeah. <laughs> i don't know how to phrase that much better so that would be my my second thing is um sometimes natural disasters are made as punishments, number one. Number two, uh, nature was cursed. We live in a a fallen world and an emphasis on the word world, not just a fallen people, but a fallen world. And thirdly, I'd say what we consider disasters might not always be negative for the planet. Now, stick with me here, because obviously any loss of human life is tragic. We we aren't saying that it's a good thing that anyone would, would perish that way. But Uh, there are some realities, some scientific realities that I've looked up. Uh, If I'm wrong, you can contact me and let me know. But floods, apparently, uh, floods provide nutrients to the soil, making the soil more fertile and it actually improves the health of fish in the rivers and the lakes that it it floods. So that that can actually make a land more fertile in agriculture. Volcanoes, again, create soil which can become more rich due to the nutrients from the volcano. Hurricanes, can be helpful sometimes because the wind causes topsoil to be distributed to areas where it was uh, lacking before. And I actually read this academic paper in preparation for this that suggested, get this, that natural disasters on average have a positive association with uh, economic performance for that nation. Now, uh, again, you'd have to look at that paper because I, there's a lot there. Uh, it's, it, it seems that, uh, says Amy Or Ewing, she says this in her book, um, how to, what did she say? What's her book called? Oh, yeah. Amy, Amy Or Ewing in her book, uh, Where is God in All the Suffering, says this. It seems that natural events like floods, tsunamis, virus proliferation, and earthquakes are needed for life on this planet. Uh, they are only experienced as disasters because people die and are harmed by them. So, of course, of course, it's terrible when people die. But some of these natural disasters, things that we would consider disasters, are actually helpful for the planet. Uh, It's just what we need to get better at is protecting people from those natural disasters. So uh, one could argue that it's it's a moral evil that we aren't doing more to protect people from some of these natural disasters. Sometimes you just can't help it. You just can't protect people in time. But sometimes, particularly in developing nations, uh, as developed nations, uh, we could do more to help prepare people for some of these things like tsunamis and and so on that's a a huge answer and i'm not saying that uh natural disasters aren't bad of course overall uh, if there's human death involved then it's a it's a sad and tragic thing Uh, but those would be my answers i think firstly sometimes emphasis on sometimes natural disasters are used as punishments uh natural evil is a result of the fall because nature was cursed and sometimes what we consider natural disasters aren't always necessarily uh, negative for the planet as a whole, whole or humanity as a whole even though human life is lost and that's always tragic so we see that you know this world just isn't what we, what it is intended to be so that's a lot right
1: yeah yeah it is a lot and and you're right we we live in a broken world and we've all experienced um some kind of suffering that has come as a result of that, and um i think I think what I would maybe say and and something that I'm not always very good at um is remembering that God isn't far away from us in our suffering, God isn't um it's not like he he's standing back just watching us and and um, that he doesn't understand our suffering, like Jesus came to earth and he suffered intensely. Um, for us, so that we could have hope in a world that's renewed and redeemed um, and where suffering doesn't happen anymore and um, and so I think, even though the suffering in this broken world, um yeah, it causes pain and it causes sadness and and deep sorrow and and um it's yeah, it's not easy to wrestle with um, it it in a way, it gives us even more hope for the future that we do have uh, with a God who's going to bring about a perfect world and and to remove that suffering, um, which, yeah, I have to remind myself of. I know when I go through hard times too. So,
0: Yeah, uh, so true. For believers, suffering will end. There's a hope when there will be no more tears and no more pain. Um, we see that in the book of Revelation when Jesus returns again. So let's kind of summarize the journey we've been on in trying to answer the problem of evil and the problem of suffering. Firstly, we see that uh, there is evil in this world. There's natural evil. There's moral evil. And and that's hard. That's a challenge for us. Um, And it's good to question those things. It's okay to question. You don't have to just be happy and joyful always. Christians sometimes do a terrible job of just thinking that we have to be happy all the time, even when things are tough. That's not what the Bible says. But in answer to some of those questions, we see that because God loves us, he gives us free will. Now, because we have free will, sometimes we make bad choices. In fact, quite a lot of the time we make bad choices. And that's one of the reasons there is so much suffering in the world is because we've made terrible choices as humanity and we inflict so much pain and suffering on on each other. Uh, The sin of humanity right from the fall has affected uh, humankind. It's affected the natural world as well. And uh, although... Let's be real, there isn't always an adequate reason for the the suffering that we experience. There isn't always one that we can intellectually justify. What we can do is recognize that, that sometimes it's because God is growing us and shaping us in ways that we don't fully understand. Well, God is higher than our thoughts and he's so much greater than we can possibly comprehend. And it stands to reason that maybe God has plans that we can't quite fathom just yet. Now, that's not easy to hear, but it's true. Uh, and, that's, uh, and that's okay. But our greatest comfort is that we don't have a distant God. We have a God who loves us, like you said, Sherea, and whose son freely came to earth to suffer. Why? So that we could have eternal life and an eternal relationship with the Father. Jesus knew suffering in a way that most of us can't even comprehend. He was nailed to the cross and he had the life squeezed out of him as he was crucified. He understood suffering as he bore a crown of thorns. And he knew that one day doing so, he would bring peace to a broken world and, uh, and free us from that suffering. When we know Jesus, the good thing is that we can be free from that suffering. If you know Jesus today, you can be free from that suffering. That freedom will come. And if you don't know Jesus, there is an opportunity to know Jesus. All you have to do is welcome him into your life and it's pretty straightforward. So, that is our answer to suffering. Yeah. Any last thoughts?
1: Yeah, I think the only thing I would add is is sometimes we are the ones who cause other people like sometimes we cause suffering on other people and we need God's grace in those moments too. Like sometimes we suffer because of other people's choices and sometimes other people suffer because of the things that we do and God still just gives us his grace in that because of what Jesus did on the cross. And that is an incredible comfort as well. So that's all I would add.
0: Yeah. Great. I hope you found this helpful. Um, we are wrestling with this stuff. We're not pretending that we have the definitive answer to the problem of evil and the problem of suffering. We get that this is hard and it is okay to wrestle with it. Uh, if you have any questions, again, feel free to contact us on social media, on Instagram or Facebook at Simple Faith Podcast or uh, leave a comment if you're on YouTube and you're watching. Um, we are, we here for you. We, we get that this is tough stuff. And um, yeah, it's one of those conversations that's hard to fully end for us. <laughs> um, you can find show notes on simplefaithpodcast.com. Um, and next week we're going to talk about depression and then we're going to talk about grief. So we are digging through some, some tough topics over the next few weeks. Um, whatever you're doing in the world and However you are feeling, whatever you're going through, know that we're with you, we're for you, we love you, and we pray that God would continue to work powerfully in your lives. So have an amazing week and we will speak to you very soon. Bye.
1: Bye.